Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is UXK. 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 I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo. Hello, UX Cake listeners. This is the third of three episodes in our special mini-series called Learning UX with our guest host, Leo Zhang. This mini-series is a slightly different format than our other episodes. Leo talks in person with Seattle UX leaders about their careers and industry topics they're passionate about. In this episode, Leo is talking with Sarah Hubbard, who's a UX designer at Smartsheet, and Karen Wiley, who's an interaction designer at Google. Sarah and Karen are also the organizers of the meetup group Seattle Women of Design and UX. And in this episode, they're talking with Leo about growing your network and industry experience and feeling supported by others by getting involved in the UX community around you. Welcome to episode three of the Learn UX UXK podcast. And today, my guests are some fellow meetup organizers and also UXers in industry. They're, they have one of the, how to describe their meetup? I'd say it's the biggest, most prominent women's meetup in Seattle. And they're, they're doing the whole roof raising thing. You can't see it right <laughs> now. But it's Karen Willie and Sarah Hubbard. And could you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Sarah Hubbard. I am one of the co-founders of Seattle Women of Design and UX, which we fondly call CDEX. And I'm a senior UX designer right now at Smartsheet. And I'm Karen Willey. I am also a co-founder of Seattle Women of Design and UX. And I am currently an interaction designer at Google, working on Google Cloud Platform. Okay, thank you both very much for being here. Tell the listeners a little about the meetup and how it all started and what it's all about. Yeah, so um, Sarah and I knew each other in Chicago, actually, and she moved to Seattle first. I followed her out here (laughs) a year later. But um, when I came out here, I had this memory of when I was in Chicago, I would go to all these meetups all the time. And it was a great way to, like, stay up to date on trends and, like, get a sense of what was happening in the UX community. And when I first moved to Seattle um, in August of 2016, uh, there just wasn't a lot of activity happening on the meetup scene. Not a lot of like routine events. Things were kind of like six monthly, quarterly. And Sarah and I were both working at startups where we were the only women, the only designers. Mm. And we said, hey, let's try to make this meetup thing happen. And we said, we'll try it for six months and see what happens. And people just started showing up and they just kept showing up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was kind of the origin story. And also, you met Leo early on and got some good advice. Yes. The, I was working at the, the startup, and the CEO of the startup had created a meetup, and I was helping him out with organizing that and going to events, and that's where I met Leo, mm-hmm. and he at the same time was starting a meetup, and so yeah. it was really great time to meet and sort of work on those together and kind of be able to swap advice over the last almost three years now. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Brian, right? Yes. And it, it was a small little venue, but... We just got started talking about meetup and like, I want to start with like, you should absolutely start with this is so much fun. And then you're telling me a premise about you want to start the CDOX and I'm like, yeah, 
Seattle does need this because while there were a few in the city, which they're great ones, I remember us talking about the the regularity. It wasn't that regular. So, I mean, long story short, you you did it, and it's been a long time, and you maintain regular meetups, have great speakers, and you're up to a big following now, right? Yeah, we're we're closing in on twenty four hundred members, that's, which that's is really in exciting. a very very short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think a lot of that success is due to the fact that we have free events. We try to keep them really regular. So we have them about every six to eight weeks and we always try and make sure that we're involving people in the community. We're not just inviting, you know, these really senior speakers who speak at all the events. We try and get a lot of people who maybe want practice or haven't had that opportunity yet to get a chance. And I think that provides like a really good, we always talk about the vibe. We think the vibe of the meetup is, is really special and we, try and maintain that. We work very hard to maintain that. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of our like most fun types of events is that we do these lightning talks where people with less experience speaking can kind of just get up on stage, give a five minute presentation. And those have the best vibes because people are just like so supportive and so uh, welcoming. And so I think it gives this really great platform for people to get out there and give it a try and like mm-hmm. get more confidence about speaking, which is something that's so important in design careers. Uh, is being able to just get up in front of an audience and sort of deliver your point of view. When you're talking about specifically picking speakers for setting this vibe and maybe not the, like you said, high leadership, but other people that maybe will want practice. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Why you decided to go that route? Yeah. So we try and keep a really strong mix of speaker types. So not just, like I said, not just having someone who has 20 years experience every month talking Mm -hmm. And we do want those people because they have really valuable insights, but making a platform for people to try it out if they never have. And yeah. so we try and be really conscientious every month when we're planning like, okay, last month we had someone who has, you know, 10, 12 years experience this month. Let's do five lightning talks with people who have, you know, from I'm a UX student to I have 10 years experience. Yeah. And there's five of them up there. And then maybe the next time it's a panel um, and we specifically focus on experience level. So it's, it's just being really conscientious every time of making sure that we're keeping that mix going mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And I think part of what's important about that too, is just, it's important that people who attend these events can see themselves in the speakers on stage, uh, at least occasionally. Right. And so I think uh, it's important to have that spectrum of experiences. We do have a spectrum of experience in the people who attend. So we do have a lot of uh, members who are like newer to the industry or trying to transition from a different career. So hearing from somebody who's like just gone through that themselves, yeah. I think is important because when you get farther along in your career, you start to forget the things you didn't know when you started. Yeah, <laughs> And so I think, yeah, it gives us a really interesting uh, spectrum of point of views. I think that has turned into really good content. On that, so I know this is something that I've personally talked with you two quite a bit, but it's the idea that in this field that we work in, we just inherently UX deals with people. We just need to understand people and talk a lot with people. And there's, you know, we're all meetup organizers. There's a certain thing about being so involved in the community and what we do that personally, I feel helps my career a lot. And I I can't exactly put in words how, so I'm really hoping one of you two can. <laughs> so as far as being so involved in the community, getting feedback from the community, being on top of the, these topics, what, what do you think about that as far as helping your own career in UX? I think it's been incredibly valuable to my career. I, I don't think anyone can speak more highly of how networking has oh. 
has believable networking has helped then that you have a better avenue for getting more speakers for the events. Absolutely. You can connect other people in the community. I think one of the most valuable and like coolest things that we did when we first started is we would meet all these people who had really specific backgrounds. And you were like, Oh, I just met someone last month who had a really similar experience. And now they've been doing UX for five years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to connect you to, mm-hmm. and being able to kind of create that web uh, has been, I think really special to a feeling for me because I wasn't involved in the community um, as much before this meetup. Mm-hmm. I think networking is this kind of like uncomfortable thing you have to do as part of your career, especially when you're getting started, especially in and this it, field, too. especially it's in so this field. And I think it can feel really like icky and disingenuous, but I think that you need to learn how to be genuine. Mm-hmm. And for me, being involved in the group has been a really easy way to do that because I'm always happy to talk about UX and being able to go to companies and be like, hey, I don't need something from you personally, but would you host this event so we can have a hundred people here to learn about this really important topic and put the speaker on stage who we think is great and we really want to give them an opportunity? Like kind of being able to forge those connections over something that I can champion that doesn't feel like I'm just like asking for something for myself, I think has been really nice. So like, yeah, like we have these really amazing like networks of we were kind of trying to come up with a last minute host recently and we just started listing off all sorts of companies that are like the biggest companies in Seattle and it's like oh well, we could ask them or we could ask them and like having all these relationships is really amazing but I think being able to forge them over a common cause mm-hmm. instead of just kind of like per- personal gain or improvement has been yeah I think a lot more meaningful for me and just felt a lot more like natural and comfortable yeah Uh, But the other thing I was going to say of how I think running this meetup has helped me in my daily role is I think after our events, a lot of people come up to Sarah or I just to like ask questions about like, how should I do this? Or here's a case study or I'm having trouble getting interviews or what's your advice? And so it's really made forced me to be able to articulate what is my point of view on a lot of these Mm -hmm. things. And I had like a way I was doing them myself, but I think it it made me form a more like unified theory of how I approach UX. So that's been really fascinating because I think a lot of these questions I have answers for you that I wouldn't have had two and a half years ago because I think about it a lot because people ask me about it a lot. Um, So that part's been really fun. It's also been a really interesting exercise in framing your perspective for the different people you're talking to. So being able to speak to your experiences to someone who is just considering a UX career and they haven't gone into it or someone who's a UX student or someone who's been doing it for three years and just like doesn't know how to advance or like get better. And so having that different perspective and being able to shift that has been really valuable, especially going back into work and doing things like interviews Mm -hmm. or talking about your hiring goals for the next year. Um, it's just been like a really valuable perspective and how that affects your actual like daily work life. I couldn't agree with you more, especially on one term, what you said about networking and being, having a conversation like, I want to do this for the community. Will you be a part of it? As opposed to, Hey, let's, there's nothing wrong. Get someone about copying and learning, but it's different. It's like, you're all going for a bigger cause. And then what you said, Sarah, I think is also very relevant. The idea of you're really learning how to set context and speak to each individual person and create an event around it's like talking with stakeholders and talking yes. with other products you gotta learn how to speak their language yeah and i know being so involved in community has helped a lot with that uh, as far as 
the idea of mentoring. So the first episode I did was big on mentoring. And like you said, after these events, people come up and talk to you and they want your advice because you're organizing these, you're pulling people together, you're, you're putting this whole thing on. You're seen as leaders in the community. Like aside from a meetup, people know you. People know both of you are both kind of big deals. This is great. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, but has this presented mentorship opportunities? Or what do you think about? Can you tell me about your roles and mentors now, if you have any in the meetup? Yeah, mentor mentoring has been a really big deal for me lately. Um, even at work, I've been working a lot on creating a, a framework for mentorship within mm-hmm. my UX team um, at work, which I think is super, super valuable for a scale for a team that's growing a lot. It helps you build leaders on your team. It helps provide guidance for people who are coming into the team or who are junior designers or not even junior designers. Everyone can have a mentor and have that be really valuable. But I think with the community, it's been especially interesting um, seeing people who are, again, like UX students or interested in transitioning into UX and how they approach you really changes how you have conversations with them and sort of decide to mentor them. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been a few people who, you know, depending on how interested they are and how they reach out to you, it makes it really easy to be like, okay, I want to help you. I want to focus on you. Yes, I'm going to review your portfolio. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you like think about this interview. Um, and so I think that's been really interesting part of mentoring in the community. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always have to be this really long-term relationship that you're spending months and months meeting once a week doing. It can be one-off things. It can be, you know, I'm giving you advice while we're at a meetup. We have right. follow-up coffee. Right. And so I think it's it's uh, been a different perspective for me on mentoring. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the most like frequent conversations I have with people at meetups is they'll be like, how do I get a mentor? Yeah. And I'm like... First of all, <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> um, I, I think it's kind of this misnomer that like a mentor is this one person who's going to like commit to you and like spend all of this time with you and pour all these resources into you and like lift you up. And I think sort of changing the frame to be about finding elements of mentorship from lots of people you interact with, because especially if I talk to designers who are like, oh, well, I'm the only UXer in my company. And I'm like, Go find a product manager who you think has like a really clear and compelling vision and try and understand like, what are they doing? How do they do that? What's important to them? Um, We have a project manager we used to work with that just the way that she handled clients was always with such like grace and elegance. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much from her about how to handle like tricky situations or come to agreement when there's a lot of disagreements. So hey, Caitlin, uh, <laughs> but, um, I, but so I think it's, it's that of like, you don't always have to have this, this even verbally explicit, like you're my mentor yeah. in order to interact with somebody and like learn things from them. Um, and yeah, like I, I have lots of engagements with, with members or people who, you know, want a second opinion on how to approach a case study or a portfolio or quick advice. And I'm always happy to do that. But I think, sometimes it can take people down the wrong track when they're kind of waiting for this more meaningful singular relationship instead of trying to form lots of relationships and get lots of good advice from different people or again people outside of the uh, UX industry even. Yeah and I think a big misconception about finding a mentor too is that as the person who wants to be mentored as the mentee it's really up to you to drive that relationship you have to be the one to do the reach out. You have to do the work up front to make sure you're getting the right advice. And I think that's not really clear for a lot of people. They think, oh, I'm going to find someone I admire and they're just going to like tell me everything they know. Yeah, It's really up to you to 
make sure that you're doing research so you can ask the right questions so you can get the right resources from them so you can make the you know maybe limited amount of time you have with them super valuable mm-hmm. and i think that's um just not clear to a lot of people yeah that like when you're asking somebody for something you need a call to action yeah what what are what are you asking me for yeah it's like it's a lot easier if someone's like would you mind reviewing my case study and giving me some feedback is a lot easier than yeah do you want to have coffee sometime yeah it's like yeah the expectation of what you're trying to get from me is not clear. And so it's a little harder for me to like make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Decide if you're going to invest your time and energy because it is a lot of time and energy to to mentor someone, especially on a one-off situation. Absolutely. And so if you can be super clear and direct when you reach out to people, it makes it easier to be like, yeah, I can answer that question. I can be helpful to you Mm -hmm. in a short amount of time. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. No. Attack on some of my experience was exactly that. It's when you get a LinkedIn message and someone says, Let's meet for a coffee, like you want to help them out, but sometimes it's like when they just say, Can we meet? It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So then it's on you to fish for what they and we already we have Slack at work, email, personal email, LinkedIn messages, meetup messages. Sometimes they just get lost. So everyone listening, please heed this advice <laughs> that you just told. Be specific. Ask, could I please get a uh, your time for 20 minutes. I want to ask you about how this and this and this. Exactly. Just, if you make it a easy yes or no for people like Karen and Sarah to answer, it's yeah. So that's, also, I think that's a great point. Another great tip is if you want to meet with them in person, yeah, say I want to meet 30 minutes and then find out where they work because that's on LinkedIn and recommend a place that is by their office. They can meet you. So Absolutely. take that, take that ownership off of them to yeah. say, okay, let's find a place. Let's find a time. Mm-hmm. It makes it really easy to say yes to yes. those. Yeah. Make it really easy. Yes. Because if everyone you're hearing these, they want to mentor. They really do. It's that's bringing part of the community. It's just who they are. So yeah, make it easy. Yeah. I do think too, like spending a little bit of like introspection time to be like, what do you want out of a mentor is really helpful. Cause I think again, it is kind of this like generic concept where people are like, I think I need a mentor yeah. <laughs> and sort of like in a panic look for one, but it's like, where are you weak? Where could you use improvement? What's really a blind spot for you and having a better sense of that for yourself yeah. helps these conversations and helps you choose the right person. Another cool part about being in the community and kind of feeling these requests from people and trying to understand what they want is actually gives us a really good opportunity to be like, okay, so many people are asking this one specific question. Yes. Let's do an event about it. Yes. And so it really helps not feel like we have to have these one-on-one conversations, but it's like, okay, we can take yeah. this and we can broaden it. And everyone wants this advice. Why don't we spend an hour, find someone who's an amazing speaker about it and then have them share that. And it's actually been an incredible way to not feel like you have to have all this one-on-one mentorship time. We can use our resources and our networking. Again, networking's great yeah. <laughs> to, to spread that advice out on a larger yeah. scale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually um, one other thing I wanted to mention is that I have a podcast with Cheryl Corris called UX of You. And literally the impetus for it was uh, Cheryl teaches at School of Visual Concepts and mm-hmm. has a lot of these one-off conversations. I do these events and have a lot of these one-off conversations. And she and I started talking about the most common questions that we get all of the time. And there was so much overlap. And yeah, we were like, let's just make a podcast where we answer all of those questions. And then when people come and ask you them, you could be like, here's the short version. If you want the long version, (laughs) I have a podcast about it. Um, So yeah, I think using those requests as feedback for like what's important content that people just don't have or don't know or asking good questions about. Yeah, yeah, is a great feeder point for both uh, C-Ducks and uh, UX of you. Um, the other thing that 
I am always reminded of when talking to to people at these events is I think like my best baseline advice that I give out probably more frequently than anything else is don't assume anyone else understands what's happening Uh, (laughs) because I just think it's really easy to go into a room and like hear people throwing around a bunch of jargon and Mm -hmm. like sort of confidently blowing past things and be like, oh man, I really missed what happened there. I must not know. They clearly know. And the amount of times that I've been in a room and be like, oh, sorry, can someone just quickly recap for me? Like, had we agreed on this? And the answer is no. Or like, there's just this huge misalignment or four steps have been skipped is so often. And I think as long as you ask the question in like a polite way and like a way that leaves it open for the room to have a discussion, like... I I think especially when you're starting out in your career, it's really easy to assume that you're just missing something and everybody else gets it. But usually if you're asking for clarification, it helps everyone, even if even if everyone else does know. And the amount of times that everyone in the room is on exactly the same page about exactly the same thing is so infrequent (laughs) (laughs) that it's just it is probably never. Um, I was going to be nice about it (laughs) sometimes. People have their crap together, but, um, but yeah. And I think that that's like one of those, the more I thought about what didn't I know when yeah. I first started, that that's what I really tried to like cling on to. Cause I think it's easy to forget. <laughs> Another thing that I think was really easy to forget and it has helped now being in this community and talking to people who are entry level or getting into UX is the idea that nothing, nothing goes in this UX process that you learned about and you've read about and, you know, taught, been taught in classes and gone through portfolio reviews. It's that you have to be a lot more flexible in the process and people panic and think when they first get into their job that they're not doing these exact steps. They must not be doing it right. Right. And so clarifying for people and and having um, open conversations about, you know what, this is the ideal process, but guess what? We skipped these three parts. And then later on, we went back and redid something. Yeah. And there's all sorts of weird squiggly lines in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that's apparent to a lot of people who are going through like these you know, UX certificate programs and even going through like the, the UW program. Yeah. It, it's not apparent to people. And I always want to be like, it's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. This is totally normal. And it's more important that you're clearly communicating throughout the process and you're documenting things. And it's not important that you have these like beautiful step-by-step pieces that you've created that are, that match the ideal process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's that jump when you need to start putting theory into practice and the, the hardest lesson is you never do all of the steps in the right order. <laughs> and it's almost different for each project too. Something yeah. always mm-hmm. changes. I, I really like this part about talking about giving advice to some of the juniors starting on things that they might not know. And I know that I do a fair about it a, a bit in my role, but I think what's more unique and special about you two do is you get to see the questions from a perspective of, women in design and UX. And I know that itself presents a very unique set of challenges. So I'm wondering if there's anything, like any common themes or insights? I think imposter syndrome has been something that has been super prevalent and not just for entry-level people mm-hmm. who are mid-senior in the career. We, we did an event about this um, a few months ago and we had these incredible women who are have done amazing things in their career and they're both like, yeah, I like come in here to this event, I had imposter syndrome. And it sort of like blows your mind yeah. that that never goes away. And speaking about that early on and making it super clear to people that, you know, this is okay. You can have doubts, but just like know that you're awesome and you can get the job done. If you, if you're going there, you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and so that comes up a lot. And something else that we 
have found it's been super valuable and we want to make really clear in our events is that there's a lot of challenges that come with being a woman in tech, but we don't want to always spend our events talking about it and talking about how hard it is to be a woman. Mm-hmm. We want to focus our events on showing women doing the work. Yeah. We want to make it clear that you are, it is possible for you to do this. We want to see, we want you to see yourself on stage talking about these things, representing women and not just talk about how it is to be a woman. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, what I actually loved about, I would say like the imposter syndrome event was the closest we got to feeling like we were doing an event that was talking about being women in yeah. tech, but it had one of the highest uh, male turnouts of any of our events. Mm-hmm. So it was a super interesting, like, oh, okay, we felt like, you know, like Sarah said, we want to focus on the representation aspect of women talking about user experience and not necessarily talking about being women in tech. But yeah, I I loved that, actually, that that was an event that just had universal appeal because it was this thing that everyone deals with and Mm -hmm. figures out how to deal with in their own manner. But we don't necessarily talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. And actually, that one was pretty enlightening for me, too, because I thought that was a thing that mostly women dealt with, that imposter syndrome. And the fact that we had so many men show up, I was like, oh, little learning moment for me that that's not just a thing that... Yeah. Women go into their roles and think, I don't deserve this, or I don't know what I'm talking about. Why would anyone listen to me? Uh, so that was, you know, a little extra learning moment for me as well. And I think everyone I've been to you, I think it's so wonderful that there's such a good male turnout too. Yeah. Yeah. That's another great part about doing this because you're always learning yourself too, aren't you doing this kind of sort of Definitely. Thing? And I think with men coming to events, like we, we never want to feel like we're being exclusive. Um, mm-hmm. It's just important to us that, like I said, we have that representation of women on stage. Absolutely. Men are always welcome at our events. We, yeah. we hope men come to our events. Um, it's more about making sure we're empowering women mm-hmm. and having women see themselves up there doing UX. Yeah, absolutely. The focus is not on who attends, but on who we promote. Mm-hmm. And as you said that, I, I think I understand what you mean by like the imposter syndrome was more closer to what being a woman in UX is. But then you have speakers like Tori. And the last time I went to at Zona, where you had that team from Microsoft, right? Yeah. talking about the work they do. And I remember she was talking about going to all the different big tech companies in Bay Area, looking at how their cultures work, how their teams work. So you're right. It's not just all about being women tech. You're talking about all the things they do. And so, yeah, that makes sense. I yeah. think it's a great way to organize it. And that was Microsoft Women in Design. And they're an awesome, like, they're an internal Microsoft organization who, yeah, is focused on this, like, creating the space for Microsoft women designers to, like, excel at their careers. And, yeah. and it's it's not necessarily about having a space for just women, but having a space for women to grow and succeed mm-hmm. and uh, grow their careers. Actually, that's a really good point to talk about. Because you're on the forefront of all this and you're talking and having so many speakers engaging with them so much. Are you seeing any sort of cultural shifts in these companies with regards to that, that sort of, I guess, yeah, I'm going to send that question. <laughs> Yeah, I think there is still, like, in society at large, there's, like, still very real, like, double standards that I think are always, like, can be frustrating. But I I do feel like it's much more acknowledged than it used to be, or at least, like, is brought up as kind of, like, a question if something other than, like, pure performance is holding somebody back, which can often be the case. But, yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of this, like, awareness is the first step, and we're very much in this, like, awareness trying to figure it out wave but i still don't think i've seen a lot of big companies like figure it out of Mm -hmm. like how do you 
kind of overcome some of these like historical barriers. Certainly no one has fixed it yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it is important. I know, especially with the women in design group at Microsoft, um, which is Christina Cohen and Tasha Lutfi, and they're both incredible. One of the things that they mentioned was this shift in like, yeah, just being able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It not being yeah. this thing that you have to hush, hush, find someone else who's having the same problem and go, you know, talk in a corner. It's that it's okay to bring it up. And when you're in interviews, mention, hey, are we being biased about this one decision? Did we ask this question wrong? And I think that's an important shift and it's not everything we can do, but it's helping. It's a good start. Having these conversations, bring awareness is, I mean, it's paramount for the growth of our industry. And you talked about one very specific point that you learned from Microsoft. And I know that, like you said, there, it's still being worked on. There's no right answer but along those lines, just talking about it, is there anything else that you found if our listeners now are thinking, oh, what are some other things or tips that maybe we could start doing? <laughs> is there anything else that, you know, you've heard from these talks, that you've heard from the engagements with these great speakers that you can maybe say, you know, here's some of the things that we've heard works in other places to get the conversation started or to get the ball rolling in a right direction. Am I asking that right? Does this make sense at all? I understand. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. like, I think the biggest... <laughs> the biggest shift the company could make is is just a focus on like promoting women or promoting people in their companies who are traditionally not the people you think of as tech people. Mm -hmm. Let's just broaden that out more generally. (laughs) But I think it's, it's just that like when you're selecting somebody to represent your company or a group of people to represent your company, look at that group. Do they all look the same? (laughs) And that's honestly just, I think, a really good place to start. And then if they do ask yourself, why is that? Is that the people that you like personally associate with or you personally relate to? Or are they the people who really like best represent the work that's happening in your company? And I think that that is like a good first step because, again, just to go back, like that's really just been our focus is just representation matters. Mm -hmm. It completely matters. It changes the tenor of things. That's why it's important to have women in leadership roles, women on stage. Um, And so I think if companies are actually trying to make a change of their own internally, like starting there is a big, Mm -hmm. um, a great place to start. Yeah. I mean, that even goes to like, who's in the room for an interview, Yes, you know, and and representing your company in that way. It's, you know, there's tons of studies out there that show when someone comes into an interview and if they don't see anyone like themselves there, they're not going to work there. And so Having that representation up front for anyone joining your company, anyone um, seeing your company speak about something or on your website, anything, just yeah. having that, just taking a step back and really thinking about who are we representing here is going to be incredibly beneficial. Yeah. You two both now can talk about this for <laughs> hours with you. But uh, I, <laughs> such a weird segue. But I, I, I actually want to talk about, I want to bring it back to the idea of community. And we, we all know how much this has impacted our own careers, helped us grow. For anyone listening that is thinking, I want to get more involved in the community. I want to start doing more things like this. What advice do you have for them? I think putting yourself out there to speak at events. Um, a lot of people think that I don't have enough experience or I don't have an interesting background. Stop thinking that. (laughs) Um, Put yourself out there and and really go for it because, you know, there's people might have talked about what you had to talk about before, but they don't have the same background as you. No one has the same exact experience you do. And so really leveraging what happened in your past, your experiences, 
and how that translates into UX is helpful to someone mm-hmm. and that's valuable. So putting yourself out there in that way is going to be super helpful. And then if you want to get involved with groups, uh, we get a lot of people who reach out to volunteer and want to speak. Again, similar thing with asking someone to be your mentor, be specific about what you want from them. Yeah. So when we get people who reach out to us and say, I want to get involved, it's really hard to help fit them into the group. But if they say, reach out and say, I want to get involved, I have this event that's really interesting to me. There's this speaker. I would like to make that happen. And you're like, wow, great. We would love to help you make that happen. And so getting involved by thinking about your goals and what you want and then reaching out to people with specific asks is a great way to make that happen. Yeah, what Sarah said. <laughs> <laughs> as, as far as your, your meetup itself, now, the people are thinking like, oh, man, it'd be great to organize. I don't know if anyone's even thinking this. I'm just making this But I guess I, do it I, <laughs> I, I personally want to ask you to, because I know that I have my views of why I think it's hard, but yet great to be a meetup organizer yeah. owner. But I'm curious, what do you two think are like the, best things about doing this. And sometimes they're just like, why am I doing this? <laughs> it's a good mix of both of those things. Yeah. Right? When, when it's the end of a work day and you're like, instead of going home, I'm going to go to another business and organize, organize an event for a hundred people to show up. And right. then I'm going to speak. And then I'm going to talk to a bunch of people at the end of the night. Yes. It can feel a little bit of like, why do I do this again? Um, but then after every event, Sarah and I just sit and have a conversation where we're like, people are so jazzed. Like they're so excited to be there. They seem like they got so much value out of it and we're just so happy. And, and I think for me, one of like, it, it, it's hard to deny the value of it. And so I think that's like what keeps me personally motivated. And then also like Sarah was mentioning before, we see the same people, like familiar faces coming back, like maybe not every month, but every couple of months. And the fact that we've created a group that people want to come back to Mm -hmm. for me is like the greatest signal of like, we're doing something right. And it's worthwhile, even though like, yes, it's effort. Yes. We have to send a bunch of emails and like have some phone calls, but like, it's kind of a trivial amount of effort, I think, for the value people get out of it. Mm-hmm. We do, yeah. At, at the end of every event, we both look at each other and we're exhausted, but, but so, <laughs> so energized, so but so yeah. energized by the people who show up and the conversations we have. And it's so exciting when people are like, "I met someone, and now we're like having coffee once a month and talking to each other." And like creating those connections is not something I necessarily expected going into it, but now that we've done it and we have that, I think it's super special, and I yeah. love that about it. That feeling you get when you made the connection with someone in a few months, like, hey, I end up getting that role. It's like, I'm so happy yes. for you. It's like, yeah. you're not my kid, but I feel like I'm there <laughs> right now. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing feeling. I love hearing people say that they got a job because of an event they came to or because of advice we gave. It's, that's, it, it's, it feels so good. There's nothing else like it. It's, it feels so good that you can, it, yeah, another conversation. It's, um, and Karen, you're right. You're, you're essentially bringing this peer group together and you're providing a place for similar minded people to talk and trade ideas. It's, it's wonderful. There's so much good advice in this episode, <laughs> but it's like, it's like all scattered and comes back, but it's just, I mean, it's wonderful. I, I, I always have so much fun talking to you too. And I, uh, I really thank you for what you're doing for the community. I've, I've, it's been a joy personally seeing 
from my first conversation about you talking about just seeing it grow. It's been absolutely amazing. And I know it's hard. It takes a lot of time, but I, I know you're going to keep doing great things with the meetup. So thank you uh, for doing this for the community. And thank you for being on this episode. It really means a lot to me. Great. Thank you. It's great to have someone in the community who we can relate to and have these conversations <laughs> with. So Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for thinking of us. If you enjoy the UX Cake podcast and you want to help us grow our community, I have three action items for you. First, share this episode with a friend or colleague. There is a share function in every podcast platform, including on our website. You can also share a link to an episode on your work Slack or your social media channel of choice. That gets this content to more people who find it useful. Number two, rate and review the UX Cake podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. This is the social proof that potential sponsors and partners we want to work with look to. If you don't have an iPhone, you can still rate and review in iTunes on your computer. Just search for UX Cake in the iTunes store, click on the podcast and go to the ratings and reviews button. And number three, subscribe to our email list at uxcake.co and to our Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or all of them if you like. Thanks again for listening and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a bite. UX life is hard. Eat more cake.